Hey, everybody. We're here at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends powered by STN Sports. <laughs> We're going to get into baseball first, guys. You have to talk about the fall classic, maybe two teams that we didn't expect to be in it. We know the Rangers did spend some money in the offseason, went out and got to Grom. But you think about the Rangers last November, 60 to 1. And in August, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Jay, 90 to 1. So all these teams that really had these high-priced free agents. I know Texas had some. You, know, you talk about you know the Yankees and the Padres and the Dodgers and the Braves with their lineup. They're not playing in the Fall Classic. It's D-backs, Rangers. Rangers are a uh, a buck seventy-five favorite in the series. Should be an interesting one as the Rangers really have become road warriors. I believe they won every road playoff game so far, and they were the worst of the teams heading into the postseason on the road. They were a game below five hundred. So maybe two teams that most people didn't expect, but it's Rangers, D-backs, first pitch Friday night. Yeah, and when you talk about both these teams, they kind of had uh, Rangers came out of the box quickly, uh, put a bunch of wins, had a good crazy division early, lead. Right. Um, then we saw Seattle and, and Houston kind of track them down, and there was a battle at the end of the season to, to win that division. They didn't play super well um, down the stretch, kind of middle of the season. Their big acquisition was obviously getting Montgomery from the Cardinals, right. who's been absolutely fantastic for them in the playoffs. And really it's the Montgomery-Evaldi um, you know, one-two combination that's led them through the playoffs. And finally we saw Scherzer come in as their third pitcher, have a clunker in his first appearance out there, but able to pitch three solid innings um, in this closeout game. And so if he can find himself, he could be a separator that puts them over the hump against the and Diamondbacks. And Haney, too, has a lot of strikeouts when well, he's on. Well, Haney pitched that right. game four against the Astros and really underperformed. So I don't know if they're going to go back to Haney in a game four situation, right. whether it'll be a Dunning or possibly a Perez. Uh, but when you look at game four, outside of, again, um, Montgomery, Evaldi, Scherzer versus Gallen, Kelly, and Fott, the Diamondbacks against the Phillies in their game four started Joe Mantiply, right. and it was completely a bullpen game with guys pitching one or two innings. So when we look at that game four matchup, but potentially the Rangers do have the advantage that they should have a pitcher that should be able to give them a little bit of distance right. versus a pure, pure bullpen game. Um, but the acquisitions for these teams have been absolutely fantastic. We talked about Montgomery and what the leader he's been at the top of that staff. And really the big acquisition for the Diamondbacks was getting Paul Sewald on the back end, right. who's been their closer um, throughout this playoffs. Um, they, that was kind of their Achilles heel throughout the season of not having somebody that could finish out the ball games. And Seawall's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously, we're talking about these two teams for a reason uh, heading into the World Series. They're hot. I mean, the bats Red are hot. hot. They're hitting the baseball. We're watching the, the offenses for both these teams, uh, getting guys just coming up in big spots, hitting, getting big but hits. Garcia, is fun to watch or amazing. what? Right. They're getting uh, – Josh Jung has been absolutely fantastic. Jonah Heim, the young kids for the, the Rangers have been great. Evan Carter comes out of nowhere, and, and playing and absolutely fantastic. Both teams got relatively healthy, though, at the right time as yeah. well. But uh, Marte, Carroll, Walker, I mean, there's some star power. There's some real home run power. I think it's going to be a really big, a good series. But we talked about the Ast- or the Rangers being a $1.75 favorite, and I think that's mostly because of the pitching matchups that we're going to see, especially in games three and four, if Max Scherzer can be – more Max Scherzer-like, and then I think there is a four, a game four advantage to the Rangers over a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. And the Rangers were so dominant, as you mentioned, early in the season, especially at home, and we even talked about that. If they make the postseason and advance somewhat, having home field advantage for them was going to be big because the amount of runs they score at home. But they weren't a good road team. Again, my, my I think they were uh, one game below 500. but the way they've played in the road right now, on the road, and you always look for a team in any sport, if you can win on the road and you're dominant at home, 
it's awfully tough for an opponent to beat you. Well, this Diamondback team, I, I don't think that they're going into it looking at home road matchups. They were able to go to the Dodgers and beat right. the Dodgers. They were able to go to the Phillies, one of the toughest places to play. So they're they're not intimidated. And one of the reasons why you're getting these incredible prices that we're talking about, 90 to 1 on the Diamondbacks, <laughs> 60 to 1 on the Rangers, um, you know, we di- we don't see the top teams. The Braves won 104 games. Right. We saw the Orioles win 101 games. Tampa 99. Means nothing. The Dodgers, uh, and and now we see a, an 84 win team and a 90 win team uh, going to be throwing their first pitches in the World Series. So um, I know a lot of people are saying this will be the the least watched World Series. Um, I know here in Nevada that's not going to be true because when you can bet on these games, regardless of who's playing, uh, you've got a cheering and a rooting interest by putting a couple bucks down on the game. And, and a again, lot of cool props we're, on the yeah, app as props well. Props are yep. going to be loaded. Get on the app. That prop page will be absolutely gigantic. You can tie that into so many other things that are going on. So, again, first pitch World Series, D-backs Rangers, Friday night. All right, now it's time to dive into some college football. I know we've got some kind of interesting stats here before we get into the regular games. Yeah, um, I, I, let's talk about these a little bit. I went to, went out to the graphics department, um, <laughs> and uh, we we pulled up. It's a very high price graphics department. Um, what I, what I wanted to show because because college put, football has been a little bit of um, rough sledding. We'll say pro football has been a little bit of rough sledding, but the amount of outright underdog winners. I'm not talking about teams covering the point spread. I'm talking about underdogs of over seven points where you're getting plus 200 or more on them winning at game outrights. And when you look through what I put together here, we talk about the multiple teams that are seven-point underdogs or more that are winning games straight up. And so it happens every single week in college football. And you can see in week one, five times, week two, four times, week three, four times, four times, three times, five times. Week seven is on the other side. I'll show it when I flip it to you. But there's actually five times in week seven and another four times in week eight. But we're talking about monster prices here. A 26-point underdog that wins outright in Texas State in week one. We all remember week one when Colorado pulled the outright upset at TCU as a 6-1 to dog. Um, and you look each week at these teams that are winning the games as huge underdogs. Uh, another you're one, not talking about just covering. You're talking about winning outright. Yeah, uh, the, there's there's a, a plethora of other games where you have teams that are 20-point underdogs that are losing by, you know, 14 or a touchdown. These are teams that are actually winning on the money line where you're getting paid 11-1, to 3-1, to 3.5-1. to one. You know, twelve point underdog. Almost ten to yeah. one. Uh, this is the this is the kneel down game where Miami fails to kneel down at the end of the game, and Georgia Tech's able to steal that one for him. But my point is, is if you're betting the favorites, if you're asking yourself when you look at the uh, the sheet every week, or you look at the app every week, and you say, what are the favorites that are going to win, and you're not having success doing that. Take a look and switch your philosophy to say, what are the favorites that are going to lose? Who are the <laughs> underdogs that are going to win? Because right. there's obviously money to be made on betting the dogs. So when we look, and we'll call it week nine of the college football slate this week, you know, when you look at that college football on the app, ask yourself, who are the over-a-touchdown underdogs that have a chance to win the game outright. And you don't even have to bet them on the money line. You could take them plus those seven points or more. But that should be your strategy. Again, another one here. A 24-point underdog in Virginia that wins outright. We've seen Nevada as a 13.5-point underdog win their very first game uh, in over a year. And it's not just college football. It's happening in the pros as well. We look at pro football. Again, not as long of a list. 
Um, but still surprising and, some of these upsets. Yeah, and, and remember, no, pro football doesn't have as many games where we see over seven-point favors. So, you know, like uh, week four, there was no winner. There was only four games right. where we had a teams that were seven points or more. But again, you look at the prices and you talk about the teams that are struggling to uh, cover or why people are struggling to win their bets because it's because of these things. We'll go kind of in reverse here. Um, but obviously the Patriots beating the Bills last week and then Monday night the, the Vikings able to knock off the Niners. These are things when you look at it, you don't expect these big monster upsets to happen. We didn't expect the Browns. You may expect them to cover, but just not win yeah, outright. To, to win outright. But again, the Browns playing with starting P.J. Walker, able to knock off the Niners last week. The Jets go and knock off the undefeated Eagles. Um, we saw the Bears on a Thursday night beat the Commanders. The Jaguars in London beat the Bills. Uh, we, everybody remembers, especially if you that play that Survivor, you remember the Cardinals knocking off the Cowboys as a 13-point underdog in Week 3. And the Week 3 was, a, was an absolutely amazing week as the Texans almost a 10-point uh, dog to the Jaguars outright. Colts an 8-point dog to the Ravens. So you see what I'm going through here and what I'm trying to express to you um, to help you in your handicap is you don't always have to bet favorites. The dogs are live. They're live every week. Take your shots. Pick some underdogs. Good luck. Our mascot was Teaser, but I think we're going to change it to uh, Underdog. Uh, he'll be joining gonna, us gonna, uh, on the set one of these weeks very soon. So that you can see the amount right. of college football. Right, let's jump into college football this week. Um, there's some good games that we want to jump on. So you have number six, Oklahoma uh, at Kansas. This game you might look at and say, is this an upset alert? Or maybe you take the points. Maybe the dog can win outright. Oklahoma is a 10-point favorite. Oklahoma's 5-0 and straight up in their last five games and playing on the road against Kansas. But kind of an interesting stat here with the points. Kansas is 5-1 and against the number in its last six games when playing at home against Oklahoma. So maybe some value there with Kansas getting two scores. Well, we almost saw it last week. Oklahoma has a 17-point favorite at home against Central Florida, and they end up winning that game really by tough three, game. Right. three really late. Um, the one thing that Oklahoma does have going for it, and we, we've constantly been talking about um, the, the sleepers and, and things going on with the Heisman Trophy, is that Dylan Gabriel is starting to skyrocket himself of that Heisman Trophy um, uh, potential with the fact that Williams has struggled with UFC, and we saw Penix, Penix kind of yep. throw a, a clunker in there for Washington. So I think that Oklahoma wants to continue to score. Uh, Kansas doesn't have that defense that should really stop Oklahoma. In order for Kansas to stay in this game, they're going to have to put points on the board. So again, they're a 10-point favorite here, but Kansas has had a lot of success against the number when playing Oklahoma at home. Number eight, Oregon at number 13, Utah. Oregon's a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. We saw Utah beat Southern Cal last week, upset them. We don't have a prop bump on Will Cameron rising, Cameron rising start or not. We're, we, that boat has sailed. He, he's not playing. Oregon is 7-2 and two straight up in its last nine games on the road. Utah is 19-1 and one straight up in its last 20 games at home and they're getting six and a half points here. They are definitely a tough team to beat when you have to go up and play in Utah yeah, against the Utes. Uh, this should be one that I think that you're looking and asking yourself, can the Utes continue this, this underdog role? We saw them as a seven-point underdog win at USC last week in a, in a tightly contested ball game. Um, you know, they're going home, playing in Utah. Obviously, we talk about no Cameron rising, but this Utah team... But let me interject. On sure. this game, we opened at six and a half. It quickly was bet up to seven, but since then, it's been a take. So I think there's... Tremendous value on Utah at home being basically the same number as they were on the road at Southern Cal. Yeah, the speed in this game will be a little bit of a, of a variation. Obviously, Oregon's receivers and for the ability for Bo Nix to run the football. Um, if they're not able to not turn the football over, they should be in a good spot to win this game. But Utah, 
it, it's been a, it's it's been a magical play. season for them and, and kind of the upsets that they pulled and uh, obviously off the big win at USC and now they're looking for bigger and better things with the potential to win that Pac-12 um, and this is obviously a game that they have circled on their schedule as a home uh, obviously with the ability to beat a, a big team like Oregon. I think one of the differences too is on defense where Southern Cal we knew going into the season that their defense was somewhat of an Achilles heel and that they've shown that against a lot of lesser, a lot of lesser teams um, and you look at Oregon I think they're six in the country in what they give up per play per pass play and so I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for Utah to move the ball against Oregon opposed to what it was against Southern Cal. Yeah we might not see the the high scoring Pac-12 in this game as these teams uh, the, the defenses should be able to shine and uh, shine bright here. Uh, another game with uh, top 20 teams number 20 Duke at number 18 Louisville. Uh, Louisville's uh, 4 and 46. Uh, Louisville remember a few weeks ago really beat up on Notre Dame. The total has gone over in five of Duke's last five games on the road. So five for five, a lot of points scored. Duke is 7-2 and two straight up in its last nine games. Louisville, 5-0 and oh against the number and 5-0 and oh straight up in their last five home games. So looking at these stats, something has to give here as both teams have had success against the number based on the road or at home. And again, Louisville is a four-point favorite with a high total of 46. Well, when we talk Duke, you have to talk about one guy, and that's Riley Leonard, their quarterback. Um, he's still questionable for this game. We saw him leave against Florida State last week. Big difference Duke, Duke maker. was in the game with Florida State, looked like a live team, looked like a live dog. He leaves the game, and then we watch Florida State um, actually dominate um, from their point out. So, again, if you're looking to play Duke, if you're looking to play the, the total, got to find out Riley Leonard's status in this game. Yeah, and he's a big part of it. You, you can just see the difference when he's not on the field for this team. But really good game. If he does play, I think it's a great matchup. Uh, we're going to finish the college slate with uh, UNLV football. We've touched on UNLV the last couple of weeks. Uh, first time they didn't cover was last week. You guys continue to back them. Good game for our side of the counter. Uh, UNLV, probably their toughest game outside of the Michigan game. This game's come down, though. Fresno State opened up a nine-point favorite. It's now seven and a half. UNLV is six and one against the number. Only loss so far against the number was last week against Colorado State, and uh, they're getting seven and a half points here. But you guys have already started to back them as this number has dropped a point and a half. Yeah, and uh, we, we saw them as the a... The bowl-eligible Rebels, I should as say. A, as a big favorite last week. Um, and Colorado State was able to hang in that game, able to run the football, able to play Dow solid defense and get some turnovers, um, some big field goals uh, by the big UNLV, yeah. uh, by the kicker. Especially late no, in the game. Pun Congratulations in, pun, being bowl eligible. Pun, pun intended. Uh, but this is, this is obviously a, a monster matchup going against a really right. the, the, the class uh, of the Mountain West in Fresno State, and so uh, a tough challenge to, to travel up there and, and hang in this I game. Think, you know, when you look at the back end of their schedule, it's much tougher as far as conference play goes. But if you're the Rebels, I mean, you're 6-1. and one. Um, You know, you, you weren't embarrassed when you played Michigan, knowing the difference, especially the size in the trenches. When you had a big game against Colorado State, the number was inflated a bit. You still were able to come back and score in the last 20 seconds to win. Now that you're bowl eligible and you've really kind of accomplished something, I think you can be a lot looser going into this back end of the schedule against some of the tougher teams in the Mountain West. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think there's pressure on them, especially right. the fact that they're bowl eligible and nobody expected this team right. to, to be yep. in this situation. And obviously, they've done a fantastic job, and, and all that matters is winning games. It doesn't matter yep. uh, how ugly it is. It, putting those W's up has been absolutely incredible for the Rebels, and I'd be remiss if we didn't mentioned the Nevada Wolfpack, the other team uh, up north, uh, being able to get their, their first win six to nothing uh, against San, uh, San Diego State in San Diego at San Diego State. So Great a big win score. for the Wolfpack, um, and hopefully they, we, can, we can start to see them um, you know, turn the tide as well and, and be able to put some wins up there in Reno. Last thing for the college segment, uh, just talking about last man standing, there are 32 
lucky contestants left in the college last man standing, really seeing those numbers kind of plummet each week. Usually it goes till about Thanksgiving or so, but only 32 left. So congratulations to you. You lucky 32. Good luck this weekend. Um, we're going to be right back with uh, the pro football segment on the sports betting podcast, Bookends, powered by STN Sports. Guess what? It's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It's time to bet your buns off. And when it comes to sports betting, you better bet with the STN Sports app. I'm talking football, all the fights, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's soccer ball. We've got it all. And with our 14 convenient sign-up locations around town, it's no wonder they call me the queen of convenience. Because when I bet with STN, I feel like royalty. So what in the heck are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey everybody, we're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. Jason Chucky for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. We're going to dive into pro football for this week. We're going to start on Thursday Night Football. Bucks and Bills, maybe two teams that have kind of been underachievers a little bit this year. I think you look at the Bucks; they come off that loss against the Falcons, really couldn't generate anything offensively. But you look at the Bills, they've been, you know, they're one of the teams that everybody thought was going to be a Super Bowl contender. And I still think they are, but they're four and three. If the Giants don't completely mess up before the first half and, and not throw the ball instead of running the ball they probably lose that game and they're three and four right now they've been really slow starters Josh Allen continues to turn the ball over a little bit but I think there's a lot of pressure on him he's not running as much he's kind of changed his style of play but defensively no Tredavious White no Matt Milano I don't know if that Oliver will be back or not but when you take such a big percentage of your stud defensive guys out of the mix I think it's really affected this team they're, they're over a touchdown favorite here. They need to start winning because we know how good the Dolphins are. The Jets are 3-3. Three and three. A lot of teams in the AFC are playing really well. In the AFC North right now, all teams are 500 or better. This is kind of a big game at home for Buffalo to start turning that offense around. Yeah, and I, look at this. and We talk about this Bills team showing up on uh, as the big favorites being knocked off um, a couple of weeks. <laughs> Um, that, that they've struggled. They've been a team that, right. that is a play against and, and have been shocked a couple times by big underdogs. And it would be another one here for the Buccaneers to knock them off. You mentioned it, uh, the Bills struggles from a health standpoint. Their defense has been absolutely decimated. Um, they haven't been able to kind of recover from that. Teams have been able to move the football on them and keep them in the games. Um, but what the big surprise is, you talked about the Josh Allen. We obviously know Stephon Diggs continues to put his right. yards up every week. We see Gabe Davis sprinkled in there. We've seen James Cook stinkled, uh, sprinkled in there. And they've had some good offensive performances. One more thing. With with Dawson Knox hurt, uh, Dalton Kincaid, Kincaid is going to be starting been, been this week good. and should get a you know a lot of action on they, Thursday they've night. Had, they've had some big misses from their kicker, Bass, and we obviously talk about the turnovers. Uh, Josh Allen, who, who this is not something new to him. Right. Um, he's not been immune to the turnovers. This has been something that we've seen as a part of his career um, that he does throw a several of those bad interceptions, um, has a, a propensity to Especially to in the red so. zone yeah. where he's um, been bad. But the, the, the Buccaneers have really been – a team that I can't can't put my finger on right now. Um, Mayfield in this offense has really struggled. We respected, expected to see a lot more of Rashard White, uh, both out of the backfield, catching the ball and right. running the ball. Um, we see Evans um, dropping passes that we don't normally see. Godwin has been, you know, good underneath, but again, he's dropped balls and they haven't consistently found it with them. And then really bad loss last week at home. Um, to the Falcons in a game that they turn the ball over twice in the red zone, really don't put up any points, and now a short week in what we know has got to be a pretty ticked-off Buffalo team um, following their loss. And so hopefully if you're looking for the Bills, you can avoid this big upset, and, and if you're on Tampa, maybe they're another team that's live to go and upset this Buffalo Bills team. Well, I think you said it. 
Tampa really doesn't score very much. We know the Bills have an explosive offense and can score. We know this year's scoring's down. I think unders are hitting at a 61% clip. But you look at Tampa, eight of their last road, eight of their last 10 road games have all gone under. So they don't score a lot of points on the road. They're playing in a tough environment in Buffalo. Buffalo's going to want to get that offense untracked early in this game. They've been really slow starters. But take a look at the under again. Tampa on the road, eight of their last 10 have plummeted under. Giants, they're not on this list, but they almost knocked off the Bills. We saw last week another team that really, really struggles to move the football offensively. Mac Jones able to pull the upset. So um, despite the fact that you're not able to score, if you're able to stand up and play solid defense, you can stay in a game with Buffalo. All right, so now we're going to look at Sunday. No early game this week, so you don't have to get up early uh, for a game. Uh, <laughs> Next uh, week you will. We'll yeah, be traveling yeah, yeah. out to Germany. Germany, yeah, <laughs> for, for a, a phenomenal matchup. We're talking Dolphins-Chiefs early in the morning. What a great game uh, on November 5th. All right, so we're going to look at uh, Sunday football. This, to me, is one of the better games on Sunday. Jacksonville against the Steelers. Jacksonville, a very small road favorite. The Steelers, very quietly, Jay, are 4-2. They're getting a little bit healthier. They got Deontay Johnson back. They're starting to run the ball a little bit better. Um, we know they're stout defensively. Jacksonville, 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games on the road. Jacksonville is 6-1 and straight up in their last seven games on the road. The total has gone under in five of Pittsburgh's last six games, and the total has gone under in five of Pittsburgh's last six games when playing Jacksonville. So very similar to what we saw a few weeks ago, maybe with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, kind of that low-scoring game, you know, in the trenches. Um, but Jacksonville, again, a lot of success playing on the road, 5-0 and against the number. Yeah, Jacksonville's been good, and it's not a Trevor Lawrence sling the ball over the place to Ridley and Kirk. They've really been doing it with controlling the ground, ETN, ETN running yep. running the ball a lot, and, and smart quarterback play <laughs> um, from Lawrence. But this is a, a different game that they're going to have to go play here. They've been able to beat up on some of their AFC South counterparts, right. um, and, and now they're going to go play a Steelers team, which has really been a surprise to us. They sit 4-2, and two and they're really doing it with no semblance of an offense. They seem to get a defensive touchdown I, I really every week. I think, though, when— Their offense is getting better. Right. When you—you know, you had a young receiver in Pickens— um, and then Fryermuth at tight end. Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson both got hurt basically at the same time. They played without those guys for a month. And for a, a young quarterback like Kenny Pickett to lose probably his best receiver and a tight end that he relied on heavily in the preseason and last year in the red zone, I think that really hurts that offense. But you have to remember the Steelers were kind of that Vogue team in the offseason. You always look for a team that you don't expect to get a lot of Super Bowl play on and division play. And they were the team. They were kind of that sophisticated play, that hot Vogue team. They're 4-2 and two right now. That whole division is 500 or better. And they're, they're a little bit better than I think we thought they were. Yeah, and I think this is a, a, a classic, you know, road favorite take the take the home dog look for the Steelers in this spot um see if that defense can stand up again especially if the game goes to three it looks like it's kind of trending that way some two and a half juice so I think if it goes to three I think there is some value with the Steelers in that game on Sunday uh let's look at another game um Eagles commanders these two teams played a few weeks ago for whatever reason Riverboat Ron decided not to go for two I hated his excuse the team was tired <laughs> You have a chance to beat the Eagles, the best team in the NFC, team that went to the Super Bowl last year, who's the favorite to go this year in the NFC. My team was tired, so I kicked it. Of course, they never got the ball back. Um, Hurts to A.J. Brown, game over and overtime. But they get a chance at some redemption here. So you look at the Eagles right now, and 
you know, the, the, for the Eagles, the total's gone under in seven of Washington's last eight games at home. So in Washington's home, it turns to go under. Total has gone under in 15 of Washington's last 22 games. Philadelphia's 10-0 straight up, 10-2 uh, straight up in their last 12 games on the road. It's the Eagles' offense against a commander team that really struggles to protect Sam Howell. He leads the league in being sacked. The Eagles haven't played great this year, but they beat up on the Dolphins on prime time. Tough spot, I think, for the Commanders. But they're almost a touchdown underdog at home. Yeah, and I think the Commanders should have some confidence. Obviously, they went into Philadelphia and were able to go play that, that overtime game when they didn't go for two. So there's some confidence there. But, again, they that defense has given over up over 400 yards to just about everybody they play. You talked about Howell getting sacked a lot. And I think that that Eagles loss to the Jets, you know, they, they were undefeated. <coughs> Uh, lose to the Jets and now come back and, and take care of Miami. I think that kind of rejuvenated and rewoke up this Eagles team. Um, we see that we know that they can run the football with uh, probably the best offensive line in the game right now with Swift. And it's been the AJ Brown show, and we really haven't seen Devonta Smith get involved too much in this offense. Last week against the Dolphins, it was Dallas Goddard, the tight end, that had the big game and the big big situations. And so they have just so many weapons on this Eagles team that can do things to score from an offensive standpoint. And Washington has so many deficiencies <laughs> on the defensive side of things that it, this does look like a game that the Eagles can exploit those those defensive, defensive weaknesses. However, we talk about seven-point home underdog. This is the spot that you want to look for, those, those big money line dogs. I just don't know that the Eagles, that this is the right spot because um, this team has the ability to kind of take the air out of the football, have those long 13, 15 play drives, end up with the brotherly shove, the tush push anytime they're in a third and short or, or fourth and short situation. So Washington's really going to have to come with a big effort. And I don't think it's one of those games where you catch the Eagles sleeping either because this commander team just took them to overtime a couple weeks ago. And I think when you look at the commanders, look at their young skill position players, I think with Howell it's hard because he gets sacked so much. That offensive line has really struggled. But you look at Terry McLaren, you look at um, uh, Josh Dotson, uh, you look at um, uh, Logan Thomas, you look at the running backs they have in Robinson. Um, they've got some talents on that team. It's just you have to protect them a bit. And they have been competitive with the Eagles over the last couple of years. And the Eagles, talk about the trade deadline here at the end of the month of October, they're already the ones making the move, right. picking up Bynum from the from the Titans. So they go get an all-pro uh, safety to add to that, that defensive unit. So the Eagles are not only looking um, what they're doing this week, but we can see this team's already securing themselves, looking to make that big playoff run. They're definitely not shy about being, you know, active going into the trade deadline. Trade deadline is, I believe, the 31st, so we'll see what happens between now and the 31st, but there could be some big names moved, including Derrick Henry, who's rumored to be out there. Maybe Buffalo, maybe Philly, two teams that have shown some interest in him before. Rams-Cowboys, which I think is a really good game. Um, Rams come off that game where they lost against the Steelers. Uh, two missed field goals and a missed extra point. Brett Maher is no longer their kicker due to that. Um, the Cowboys have been, they come off a bye. They, to me, they were right there early with um, the Eagles and 49ers. They've dropped down somewhat now with a couple of bad losses in there. Um, I think with the injury to Diggs, they still need some help at DB. I think they'll be active at the trade deadline. You look at Stafford and the Rams now with, with that offense, getting Cup and Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. They can score some points, but against this Cowboy defense, it might be a little bit tough. Um, here, here's a couple of stats for you. The total has gone under in nine of the Rams' last 12 games on the road. However, for the Cowboys, the total has gone over in six of their last seven home games. Yeah, and I think the bye week was a perfect week for the Cowboys to catch that bye week. Obviously, we saw the 
the, them get kind of blown out by the 49ers, uh, obviously the loss to Arizona, but able to come back and win that big Monday night game against the Chargers, then hit the bye week, get rejuvenated, fix some of the things that they think weren't clicking on offense. And um, I think the Micah Parsons can be a real problem for Matthew Stafford in this game. Um, obviously, we know Stafford's got Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup to be able to throw right. the football to. And when he has got time to be able to hit those guys, the Rams are a very, very dangerous team. Um, they really were missing their running backs last week. Kyron Williams is now on the IR. He's been their kind of Henderson big Henderson played great, yeah, though. Um, they, they, Evans, they, who, they went to after Kyron Williams has been out. And so they had uh, Henderson step up and, and Freeman um, as well off the practice squad. But they, they weren't able to just get things going. I don't think that offense was clicking on on cylinders with those new running backs in there. But um, they got to protect Stafford in this game if they want to stay in the game. But I think this is a game that you could see uh, C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott off the bye week potentially throw the ball around a little bit more. And maybe um, even Pollard coming out of the backfield could be dangerous in this spot. I think it's an interesting matchup for both these teams. I still think the Rams are a good team. I think uh, Sean McVay's done a really good job there with kind of a young team outside of a, a few veterans there. Well, but they're starting to show, the, you know, the Rams were expected to be at the bottom of this division right. um, kind of with the Cardinals. We weren't expecting them to be a very good football team. And then they came out of the box and beat the Seahawks and they played some good they, games. They should have beat the Steelers, yeah. though. You don't miss those two P- field goals yeah, and an extra point. Puka Nakua has come out right. of, of nowhere to look like an all-pro receiver. Um, but they, they still weren't a team that was really, really high right. or a high power rating. So they've somewhat fallen back to earth and kind of are where we expect them to be. Um, and this would be a, a big upset win for them over the Cowboy team, especially with them coming off their bye week. Um, but they are a team that has the weapons to do that. Right. Uh, another game now we're talking about an AFC team against an NFC team. I think, too, one of the better games on the board is the Cincinnati Bengals travel to play the 49ers. Two teams trending in opposite directions. Bengals who started 0-3. We know Burrow was beat up. Last year they started 0-2. They've now won three straight. They're still on the bottom of the AFC North because that entire division is 500 or better. The Niners now back-to-back losses. I think what surprised me for the Niners is I know all that talk was, you know, Purdy's MVP, the next Montana. There was a lot of pressure on a young quarterback early in the season. But you look at that game on Monday night against the Vikings, Jay, and we, we had they had no Jefferson. Addison was hurt in that game as well. But they got to Kirk Cousins absolutely zero times. No sacks in that game for that defense, which really kind of sets the table, I think, for everything they do offensively. Uh, they're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Number has gone up just a little bit. A couple of key stats here. Total has gone under in five of Cincinnati's last six games on the road. Cincinnati, however, is... Five and one against the spread in their last six games and playing on the road against San Francisco. Yet the Niners against the number this year at home, they're five and zero against the number at home. So their losses have really come and struggles have been on the road so far. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk about the Niners first and the fact that um, obviously they're coming off the two losses. Um, they looked like all world beaters, Super Bowl, um, you know, or bust type team um, after their big win over the Cowboys at home. Um, then they travel on the road to a Cleveland Browns team that was starting P.J. Walker at quarterback with Watson being out, and the Browns are able to go ahead and steal that game. But in that game, Christian McCaffrey left hurt, Debo Samuel left hurt, and it kind of left them. They did miss with, a field goal, yeah, too. With, right. Without the weapons, Moody missed a field goal, which, again, we saw Moody miss field goals in the Monday night game 
um, at Minnesota. But again, Niners playing without Debo Samuel. We saw Christian McCaffrey. We saw Ayuk have a good game. Jennings has had a solid game. But Purdy got a little bit more of that pressure, and he missed right. a couple of throws. And we basically saw Kittle not be a part of the offense, where we saw Kittle be a monster part of that offense in the Dallas game. So teams are doing something different to be able to control George Kittle. Um, so, again, from matching up against Cincinnati, I think this is a, a breather for the Niners, but really a, a schedule quirk that is in monster favor to the Bengals and the fact that the 49ers play the Monday night game, have to travel all the way back to San Francisco on short rest to play the Cincinnati Bengals, who are coming off their bye week, which had to be a great time for a it, bye week with Joe Burrow it, getting over the calf right. injury. It does give Burrow and Higgins an opportunity to get a little bit healthy. But, you know, we talked about Minnesota gave up no sacks um, to the 49ers. The one thing that Cincinnati hasn't been able to do this year is protect Burrow. So if you're of that defense that, hey, you know, we had a bad game, we come off back-to-back losses, P.J. Walker played well against us, Kirk Cousins did, as good as Burrow is with Chase and Higgins and Mixon out of the backfield, they just can't protect him. Uh, you have to expect he's going to be under duress that entire game. I think it's going to be a tough game for Burrow. I think this number is going to go up. Um, I do think that, again, you talk about the Niners being able to get to Burrow. I do think that from a secondary standpoint, I do think the Niners can exploit what is a weaker uh, Cincinnati Bengals right. secondary. Um, so if there's a way for, for uh, Purdy, uh, Purdy to go and redeem himself, have a big game, we'll see what Debo Samuel's status is here, if he's going to be back in the game. Um, but obviously we know Jamar Chase and Higgins. Um, the Bengals do have weapons. So this, you talked about the over-under in this game. Maybe something to look at if you think that, uh, you know, the – Burrow is going to have a good game and can kind of exploit. I'm the not same sure things, he will, same though, because Cousins of the pressure. Was able to do. Right. Cousins was able to find a lot of open receivers, find Hawkinson for a lot of, lot of big games. So he found some holes in that San Francisco secondary. Um, this could be an over game with some big, you know, big receiver games. All right, so Sunday night football now. Las Vegas Raiders travel to Detroit. Detroit, Detroit Lions on Sunday night football. Lions come off a loss, really bad game against the Ravens. I thought they really played poorly on, on, all, on all facets of the game. Um, the Raiders got beat by the Bears. They got beat by Tyson Badgett, uh, a D2 quarterback out of Shepard who had an over-100 quarterback rating. He didn't turn the ball over at all. This Raider team who just came off back-to-back wins, we had talked about last week, they were back in the wild card kind of hunt and discussion. They played horribly that night. Josh Jacobs has really struggled. I think he's the for defending rushing champ. He has the most average yards per carry since 1973. So that line's not protecting. Adams isn't getting the ball. We think Garoppolo will be back. They're almost a two-score underdog on Monday night. Tough, tough task, I think, for the Raiders to stay on the road and go play Detroit team coming off a loss. Yeah, and you ask yourself, what is the Raiders' effort level after that Bear game? It was horrible. Because, um, right. you know, that's a game that you, you go into Chicago, you're a road favorite, and, and really um, it looked like the effort and energy well, wasn't there. We you're saw down the, by three scores. Max, Max Crosby yeah. was, was d- disappeared from the game and wasn't much part of the game. And But you talked about this Lions team, and, and two weeks ago, the people were talking about Lions in the Super Bowl, and they're right. they're the number one team in the NFC after we saw the Niners and Eagles lose, and they went on the road and beat Tampa and, again, shut them down. But then we saw the Atlanta Falcons shut down Tampa. So maybe the, the offense defense, was the, the Lions defense wasn't all that good, and they really got exploited by Lamar Jackson. We saw Lamar Jackson uh, have by far his best game of the season, uh, a 44-6 to blowout of the Lions. Um, the Lions, the, the running game, Gibbs had a great running game. Montgomery has been out, and I still think that that's a big part of that offense. It can't be all Jared Goff to Sam Laporta, Jared Goff um, to St. Brown or Reynolds. They have to be able to find a semblance of a running game and, and not 
um, you know, a, a short passing game, running games like you see uh, Gibbs having to sex. It's that they want to run between the tackles, um, play that smack mouse, Dan Campbell football of run, run you over. And, of course, the Raiders come to town, and that should be a, <laughs> a, a, a perfect um, – a remedy to what the Lions want to accomplish um, and so this could be a big effort and and I think that when you have a coach like Dan Campbell and that disciplinarian type guy and the leadership that the Lions are when you come off of a big loss like this to the Ravens and you somewhat get embarrassed and now you get to go on national TV on Monday night something the Lions have not right. gotten a lot I had said uh, Sunday night but you're right it's yeah, Monday a, night yeah. a lot of chance to do um, this team has not <laughs> played outside of Thanksgiving Day we don't get to see the Lions on a lot, a lot of national televised games and so I guarantee that that's going to be mentioned in that locker room that they want to put on a show. Um, so this is a, this is a chance the Raiders are really going to have to stand up because I think I think we're going to see a monster effort out of the Lions. This yeah, week. I mean if they get Jimmy Garoppolo back, that'll help that offense somewhat. Um, the Sunday night games actually the Bears at the Chargers, same thing. Bears are almost a, a two score underdog in this game. Tyson Badgen gets to play on national TV in this game, and I think the Chargers are probably one of the bigger disappointments in the league. A lot of hype going into the season. We know that uh, Herbert got the big contract in the offseason. They lose Mike Williams for the year. We know that Eckler's been banged up a little bit. Defensively, though, really, really toward the bottom of the of the league. I think they're ranked 28th and 31st in the in the two categories defensively. Let's see what Badgett can do, but they're a big dog on Monday night against the Chargers. Yeah, just, or when, Sunday you, night. just when you think there's some, some hope for the Bears and they're going to play well, they go beat Washington and then they get blown out the the next week in their own right and so obviously the the big win over the Raiders um but this is a this is a tough trip um to LA obviously them is it, coming, isn't it a home game for the Bears they, though they come off the loss and in know, LA as much as the, the the we didn't see the pressure on Badgett and he was able to have success this is a week where he's going to see right. that pass rush that charger that best part Bosa, Khalil that Mack. Best part of that Chargers defense is that pass rush so Badgett's going to be able to be able to handle that massive pressure on him this week. You know, my guess is, though, no, I was kidding, but is that you're going to see more blue and orange in SoFi Stadium than you will blue and gold. So that's the one thing I think really hurts the Chargers is that when they play at home in L.A., it's really not a true home field advantage because you get at least 50% or more of the opposition fans in the stadium. Yeah, and you have to ask yourself, you know, we talk about it every every other week uh, you know is the char- are the chargers playing for their head coach's job because at some point in time right. his decision making and some of the things that he does and the losses that that the chargers suffer this would be a catastrophic loss for the oh, chargers right. if they they were to drop this game um, so this is i think they're in a must win situation but the number is a big number at eight and a half and the chargers we see them all too often play in a lot of one score games just you have to wonder about the bears offensively they ran the ball good last week against the raiders but uh, Badgen didn't have a completion of over 20 yards. I think they, they kind of scripted it that way. D.J. Moore did drop, I think, an 18-yard touchdown. Um, but we'll see how he plays on the big stage here. Um, real quick, last man standing in pro, 59 contestants left. So congratulations. Great job. Not even at the halfway point yet. Only 59 people are left. And the best part of this week in pro football, no bye weeks. We get to see an absolute full schedule. After six teams last nine, week. Nine morning games. It's a it's an absolutely loaded week. So get the app. Get yourself ready. Um, last week, um, October 31st is your deadline. We still have the up to the $500 uh, bonus. Um, so get signed up today to take advantage of that big bonus. Um, and, you know, we didn't really mention it, but the Golden Knights continue to absolutely be amazing. <laughs> They're now the first team to ever go 7-0 and after winning a Stanley Cup. Did you have to mention they, it? They, they welcome our Chicago Blackhawks on Friday afternoon for a Nevada Nevada Day matinee game to potentially go 8-0 against a team that they've already beaten this year. So, again, congratulations to the Golden Knights and congratulations to you that continue to cash your tickets. (laughs) 
like it's a free uh, a free square on the bingo card <laughs> has been the Golden Knights cashing tickets. And not only congratulations to the Knights, but uh, since we we had our last week's show, uh, Las Vegas Aces won the WNBA championship. So congratulations to the Aces as well. And we really didn't touch on the fact that the NBA is here now too. It tipped off. So you've got so many different things going on, as Jay mentioned. Great time to get the app. All these different sports. College Hoops is right around the corner as well. This is arguably the busiest time of the year for our side of the counter. We know you guys get busy closer to the holidays. Great time to get the app with all these sports going on. So for Jason, I'm Chucky for the Sports Betting Podcast. Bookends powered by SDN Sports. We'll see you guys next week.